Well, hey everybody, uh, good to be with you again. I'm Heath Haynes, I'm one of the elders here at The Bridge and uh, also part of our Heights House Church. Um, just jumping right in today, a thought that came to mind as I was preparing is, is this, is that we have all been shaped by different aspects of our life. Um, but there's two sides to this coin of what shapes us, right? I mean, we're shaped by our positive experiences, you know, you know, maybe our parents, maybe mentors, a good education, uh, friendships, uh, successes in life, um, just again, unexpected great moments. Um, but again, the coin flips and we see that we're shaped by, by negative experiences and things in our lives as well. Maybe it's divorced parents, maybe it's a lack of access to a good education. Maybe it's betrayal in those relationships. Maybe it's personal failures. Maybe it's abuse. The, the positive experiences and negative experiences both shape us. What we have to see is that they don't define us. But that's only true if we have something or someone else to tell us who we are and what our worth is. In the second half of Mark, we're following Jesus to the cross. And as we understand the purpose of Jesus going to the cross, we'll understand the purpose of life for those who have called on Christ as Savior and Lord. Today, we're going to look at Mark 12, 28 through 34, and there we will see the commands of the cross, the commands that shape our life to a cruciform life, a life that has been shaped by what Jesus accomplished on the cross and his following resurrection. Before we go any further, I would love to pray. Um, so Lord, we just wanna take a moment wherever we are, again, um, you know, knowing that people are listening to this at different times and in different places and spaces, um, whether it's, you know, driving in a car, sitting in the office on a break or in our homes or, or by ourselves or with others. God, I pray that right now you would just help us to be still. Help us to be still in our hearts and our minds to recognize the moment and opportunity that we have, Lord, to come into this time of fellowship in your word. I pray that you would speak to us now by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would, that he would intervene in our hearts and in our minds, that he would come in, liberate, you know, mold and transform and refine, do whatever is necessary, Lord, to bring us to a place of wholeness and freedom and salvation. And then just, again, abiding in that daily and all that Christ has done as well as Lord, growing in our understanding of who you are and growing our love for you and our experience of your love for us. So Lord, we surrender now. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. So I just wanna start by reading our passage in full today. Again, we're gonna read Mark 12, uh, 28 through 34. You can read along with me. And it says this, it says, and one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this. He gave him a bonus one. He says, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. 
And the scribe said to him, you're right, teacher. You've truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all, than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. So just to give us some background on the scribes here, the scribe comes to Jesus and asks him a question after hearing this argument with the Sadducees just prior to this. The scribes were a group of people that emphasized proper exposition of Jewish law, the Torah, right? And so the, the scribes were considered to be experts in interpreting the law. And what they, what they had drawn out and saw in, in the rabbinical law, the Jewish law, that there were 613 commandments. There's 365 prohibitions in that and then 248 positive commandments. So 365 things to pull away from, 248 things to pursue and hold to. And, and rabbis differentiated between heavy and light commands. Light commands had less demand on one's will and possessions, while heavy commands were, were the things of life's uncompromising essentials. And so there's two things we want to see about this scribe's question, who, who was concerned greatly with the commands of God. So, so first thing is this, although this moment... And Mark's writing comes in the midst of Jesus being constantly challenged. It, it seems that the scribe is genuinely asking. First off, it says that he heard. It means he had, you know, he was listening and considering. And then we can see, and then that speaks to understanding. But then we can also see his, his positive response, that there was an openness and a teachability. And I just think that's helpful to see. But then the second thing we want to see about the question is this, is that a better translation of the scribe's question is not, you know, what's the, the number one command to keep? What's the heaviest command? It's, it's, it's more of what is the paramount command? Which command precedes all other commands? That's a better understanding of what's being asked here. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, so that's the question. He's like, Jesus What's, what's, what's the, like, what is the command that precedes all others? What's the command that is foundational? So what does Jesus say? What does Jesus say is the law, the command that precedes them all? And, and maybe this verse is familiar to you, but simply put, he, Jesus says, love God and love people. Right? Maybe you've heard that before. Maybe you haven't, but love God, love people. We're not gonna stop there though. Let's go a little deeper. Um, so first, the word used for love in both cases here of love the Lord your God and love your neighbor is this word agape. And, and, in, the, and in the Greek, there are different words to use for love. We, we just kind of say love for a bunch of things. We say, I, I, love, I love hamburgers the same way that I love my wife. Obviously, I love them differently, but we use the same word. In, in the Greek, there are different words. And here, agape is kind of the pinnacle love. And this agape is unconditional love. It's deeply affectionate love. It's the love that, that is stirred up from within. It's the love that leads to a direction of the will. A love that, that leads to changing priorities, right? And this is a love that leads to experiencing 
um, a, a joy and satisfaction with that which is loved with this kind of love. Agape love gives selflessly. It builds life around the other. It sets priorities for. And so we see this agape love is what these two greatest commandments are. Love God with this kind of love. Love your neighbor with this kind of love. But Jesus takes it further. I mean, I think that, that, that would have been enough in the, in the time. But he takes it further to make sure that it's not missed. He says, love God. Love the Lord your God with what? He says, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So to quickly look at those here, to kind of just to draw those out, you know, we see heart, to love the Lord your God with your heart, to, to understand what the heart was thought of in the time. It is literally the center, the seat of the center of life, right? It's, it's the place where your desires and your feelings and your affections and your passions and your impulses come from, right? It's the hidden self. It's the deepest parts of us. That's the heart. And then to love the Lord your God with your soul is just the essence of life itself. And it's just simply a claim of life. Like if you have breath in your lungs, love, love the Lord your God with whatever you have. And then he says, with all your mind. Again, the mind is the mode of thinking and feeling. It's the way in which you interpret and experience and process. It's what you focus on. It's what your mind drifts to and where your imagination is birthed from. And then he says, with all your strength. And, and this, is, this is an all-encompassing strength. It's your physical strength, your mental strength, your moral strength. It's all of your capacities to enact and influence in this life. And we have to see that here, this strength, this strength is, is a strength that is that is had as an endowment. It is given to us. In other words, what we're seeing here is that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our strength. That is, we are to love the Lord our God with all that our God has given you. Because every bit of strength that we have, physical, mental, moral, and anything else, is from God. So two things to draw out in loving God that we see from this. I mean, the word agape itself shows us that how, how, how overwhelming and overtaking this love is meant to be. But then when we see with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we see that this love that we are compelled to love God and neighbor with is all-consuming. I mean, what is left? The hidden self, the essence of just having life, the mind that which, which enacts in, you know, a will and, and a desire, and then strength, all of our capacities. What we have to see here, what we have to know where this starts again, we are always invited to be before we do, to abide in Jesus before we, before we do the mission of Jesus, right? Again, as we said a few weeks ago, the, you know, at Easter, that resurrection leads to mission, but, the, but to encounter Jesus comes first. But what, so what we have to see here is that your life has been ransomed by the blood of Jesus. Your whole self has been ransomed by the blood of Jesus. You were a slave to sin and death. 
You were an outcast, but he bought you. He paid the price. First Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. <clears throat> Excuse me. So hear this. The redeeming work of Christ is so utterly complete in you. If you've called on him. Is so utterly, so utterly complete that there is not one part of you that is not touched by the blood of Jesus. There is no, no hidden part of you that God has not renewed and made clean. So, of course, when we think about loving God, it, it makes sense that it would be the whole self. Because our whole self has been reclaimed by the blood of Jesus. It's only when we forget the astounding work of God's grace towards us in Christ that we are able to compartmentalize our lives in and unto him. We have to be forgetful in order, in order to hold back. So yes, hear a charge here. Hear a charge to pick up your cross daily as we saw just a few chapters ago in Mark and surrender all that you are to God, but also hear the promise of Jesus in your complete salvation and liberation by what he has done. So this also speaks to our capacity. We see that this love is an all-consuming love, but this, this offering of our love is also a, a, a work of our capacity. And what I mean by that is that we often, gives our, we often give ourselves an excuse to hold back from giving God our everything. But what we have to see here is that, you know, to, to, to love God is, is to give him what he requires, right? First John 5, 3 says, For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. And we have to see here, commandments is the entire instruction of God, his will and his way, his manner and his heart. We're, to love God is to be about what he is about, to have our affections intertwined and to desire to glorify him because we know that when he is lifted up, that is where the, the work of restoration happened because he says, says that he draws humanity to himself. So when God's glory is made known, it gets the attention of the world. They come to him, and that is where freedom and life is. God came to seek and to save the lost in the sending of his son. And so as we think about um, loving God, we're saying I'm giving, we want to give ourselves to all that God is, calls us to, and showed us to be important. We want to give our life to do so, right? I mean, Love mercy, seek justice, be agents of the justice that God brings. Does our world need that now? Yes, now more than ever. So as stated, when we think of strength, it equals capacity. Again, it's endowed and endowed strength, that which has been given to you by God. We have to see that all that God has given to you is meant to be an opportunity for his glory and grace to be known to the be made known to the world and for you to experience his love. 
We often look at aspects of our lives as obstacles to being able to participate in God's ministry of the gospel of Jesus to this world. You know, whether it's our jobs, our studies, our families, our our abilities or experience or the lack thereof. We often look at these things and, 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 and we give ourselves the excuse. I need to tend to this now. When things let up, when I don't have this on my shoulders, then I'll prioritize the things that God has called us to, right? Loving God, loving people, living in his will and his way and his manner. There's two opportunities here. If you see this as present in your life, one is to ask, are you chasing after the sun? As Ecclesiastes says, are you chasing after temporal things that don't have an eternal impact? Or are you chasing after things as if they will satisfy when they never can? And do you need to reprioritize? That's your first opportunity, just to bring that before the Lord. Ask him to, to help you know your own heart. And then secondly, it's just kind of word of life to you. Are, are you missing out on opportunities that you have just as you are because you think that they are an obstacle instead of an opportunity? If God has given it to you, if he's given it to you, it's part of your capacity to experience his love, to glorify him, and to live out his love in the gospel. So we see, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he gives us a bonus command. He says the second one is like the first. And Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself. And we have to see this. We have to see that your neighbor has the same claim on your love as God does. Says the second is like the first. So just as we are compelled to love God, we are compelled to love our neighbor. And it's not that we are to love our neighbor like God, like they are God, that's idolatry, right? But it is that you are to realize that when you were bought by the blood of Jesus for your own redemption, you were also bought by the blood of Jesus for your neighbor's redemption. Let me say that again. When you were bought by the blood of Jesus for your redemption, you were also bought by the blood of Jesus for your neighbor's redemption. Remember just a a few verses ago in chapter 11 where Jesus went and turned over tables because the people of God were excluding the outsider. They were excluding the neighbor by turning the space where outsiders could come to worship into a place of exploitive profit. So when we think of our neighbor, we're, yes, prayerfully it's the person next door, but also remember your neighbor is anyone you have access to in this life that needs to encounter the love of Jesus. God's design, God's desire is to use you in your present capacity to love your neighbors to Christ, to give and live in a way that makes Jesus real to them in hopes that they would turn to him and find salvation. In our weakness, God's strength is shown to be perfect. So when you, in spite of of having so little of self to give, give, 
We're giving Jesus. We're giving grace. We're giving the gospel. We're not giving us and showing us how good we are. We're showing how the sacrificial, others-focused love of Jesus compelled him to the cross and compels us to the cross with him to give our lives for others. And as we do this, I pray that as our neighbors see Jesus to be just as real as they see us to be real, that they would turn to him and find salvation just as it happened for you or maybe just as you need today. So to kind of land the plane, we're to love God, love people, and we're to do that with everything that you are and have just as you are and with exactly what you have today. So I I just want to take a moment and ask a question to you. If we're talking about loving in this way, have you been loved in this way? Have you experienced this kind of, of, of selfless, unconditional, astounding love? You will never find this love anywhere else or in anyone else other than Jesus. Unfortunately, every one of us have experienced wounds we all have love wounds, meaning that we all, we all hunger and desire and know what, what real love is and what it, what it feels like. Whether we can describe it or not, there is an innate yearning for that. But every one of us, no matter your upbringing, no matter your history, have experienced rejection, abandonment, betrayal, failure by those you trusted, I mean, one of the hardest things Amber and I talk about with our kids is that we're going to wound them. We try every day not to, but we know we're going to, and we probably already have. And we've surrendered that, but that's, that's the reality. We've all experienced that. And we have to see that Jesus is the source of perfect love that casts out fear. He is the only one that we can come to without fear of betrayal and failure and and abandonment. But that's our hope in not just loving God in this way. It's easy to love someone who loves us in that way, but our neighbor's never going to love us in that way. It's not unintentional that Jesus gave this freebie and coupled the command to love your neighbor right next to this. Without Jesus loving us in this way, we would never be free to give of ourselves. We would never feel safe to do so. We would never be satisfied in any relationship, in any earthly relationship. We cannot, we would never be able to delight in another. If that's what agape love is, as part of it is delighting in that in which you love. We would be relegated to always hedge our bets, to hold back enough. So if the end of final jeopardy, we miss it, we don't walk away with nothing. Without experiencing the love of Jesus and being satisfied in him alone, our neighbor, people are always dangerous instead of being, instead of being able to be loved. It is only possible in Jesus. 
And so if you haven't experienced this kind of love, I want to invite you to come to Jesus today. Turn to Jesus, surrender, believe, call on him. And if you've done that, remember on the daily, surrender and relish in the completed work of Christ for you. That his blood redeemed and bought every part of you. A few questions to close us. Are there aspects of your life that you look at as a limitation of your ability to love God and love your neighbor? Is there anything you need to say no to in order to leave more space to walk in the will and way of God as you love him and love others? Are there areas of your life or self that you have made an idol giving yourself to instead of God? Confess those to God. Confess those to God and share those with some another brother or sister in Christ in your life or in your house church. And then the last question. Where does this reality of God giving you exactly what you need today to serve him where he has called you to? free you up to act in obedience and gospel intentionality. Again, to rephrase, what have you been looking at as an obstacle that is actually an opportunity for the gospel? Guys, we love you. I love you. I pray you are well today. Man, take this, meditate on it, be prayerful. Come together with your, with your church community and, and invite each other in. Just expound the love of Jesus to one another. Make Jesus real to one another so that we can be strengthened as we scatter from these spaces to love our neighbors in the same way that we have been loved by God. Guys, we're better together for the glory of God. Hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.